You're listening to Differentiated with Ben Silverman, where investment research analysts dive into insider data and demystify the signals that drive one-of-a-kind investment ideas. Welcome to Differentiated. I'm your host, Ben Silverman. Having spent more than 20 years analyzing insider trading and other data sets, I've learned quite a few things about corporate insiders' actions and words. For example, having insider knowledge and conviction does not always equate to being a smart investor. If it did, every insider purchase would outperform the market. Or just because the insiders talk up a buyback plan authorization, it doesn't mean that they'll be smart about using it. They might not even use it at all. One action that is most difficult to understand is when insiders sell stock. That's what we'll explore in this episode of Differentiated. We'll deconstruct some of what we call the truths of insider selling. We'll also examine a question I recently received from one of our hedge fund clients. Insider selling truth number one. Insiders are unique market participants. Evolving stock-based compensation policies have afforded insiders a unique position among investors. Most receive $0 cost basis shares and or stock options annually. This changes the equation for insiders. They don't necessarily have to be concerned about a stock's price when they sell. They can also build up enormous equity exposure without ever putting a dime into the stock. So this changes how we view insider behavior. It also changes our expectations about how insiders behave as compared to other market participants. It also means that at many companies, insider selling is completely normal behavior. So trying to compare how an insider behaves to how a retail investor behaves or how a hedge fund or a mutual fund behaves, it's a losing cause. All those other types of investors have to buy the stock. Insiders, they don't. Insider selling truth number two. Rule 10 b 51 selling should not be ignored. There is a misperception for years that insiders selling via Rule 10 b 51 plans didn't matter. Many investors thought sales under these trading plans were vanilla in nature and not potentially opportunistic. Now, we've spent years telling our clients and the public the opposite. We've been saying insiders are using Rule 10 b 51 plans to sell opportunistically, and some of them are very smart about it. The SEC finally came to the same conclusion in 2022. And in 2023, the commission updated Rule 10b-51 to add some transparency for investors and to close a couple of loopholes. But here's the thing. Insiders can and still do use 10b-51 plans to sell opportunistically. Meta Platform's co-founder and CEO Mark Zuckerberg is one such insider. In early February 2024, after using a Rule 10b-51 plan for weeks to sell daily, the size of a sale suddenly increased dramatically as the stock started hitting new all-time highs. Zuckerberg had adopted his Rule 10b-51 plan in July 2023. At the time, he couldn't foresee what price Meta would be trading at seven months later, but he did have the foresight to prepare for it by setting up his 10b-51 plan to accelerate selling at certain prices. That's the type of opportunistic selling that we look for, and it's the reason that Rule 10b-51 selling should not be ignored. Insider selling truth number three. Behavior matters more than dollar value. When I first started analyzing insider transactions, many investors thought that the only way to get a signal from insider selling is when insiders unceremoniously dumped huge amounts of stock. The expectation was that the stock would fall off a cliff days or weeks or just a few months later. But insiders don't typically just dump stock. Their sales often only represent a tiny percentage of their holdings. But such sales can be meaningful expressions of valuation views. That's why we discourage investors from using arbitrary dollar value thresholds to screen or analyze insider transactions. 
A case in point, using a Rule 10b-5-1 plan, Planet Lab CFO Ashley Johnson has sold 1,000 shares monthly since April 2023. Her pattern has remained true with one exception. In June 2023, the stock hit $5 for the first time since she started selling. The stock only traded at the price for a few minutes on one single day, but it was long enough for Johnson's 10b-5-1 plan to transact a 500-share sale that generated about $2,500 in pre-tax proceeds. That sale was a deviation in behavior. She'd previously only sold on the first trading day of the month and had never displayed price-sensitive behavior. But that pattern broke, and she'd set up her 10b-5-1 plan to sell if the stock hit $5. That tiny sale, that seemingly innocuous behavior, proved to be smart. The stock hasn't traded at that price since then, and it's now down more than 50% from $5. So while size matters in a lot of aspects of life, it doesn't always matter when it comes to insider selling. Insider selling truth number four, ownership changes can be misleading. Investors often make the same mistake with changes in total ownership as they do with dollar values. Some of the best valuation signals can come from sales that have a relatively small impact on an insider's total stake. Conversely, sales that look big can be meaningless. Recently, we saw a sale from Netflix CFO Spencer Newman come across the wire. On the Form 4, which is the regulatory filing that discloses insider transactions, Newman indicated that he'd sold about 600 shares and that as a result of the sale, he no longer owned any stock. This is the type of sale that catches investors' attention. Why does the CFO of this giant company own no shares? Well, Form 4s are not monolithic. You can do a lot of different things with Form 4s in terms of the way you disclose ownership. And in this case, what was not disclosed was the thousands of shares of unvested restricted stock that will vest over the years. So Newman actually has millions and millions of dollars in equity exposure to Netflix shares. In fact, up until January of 2024, he was receiving monthly stock option grants that were worth anywhere from $1 to $1.5 million. So Newman, despite showing that he has zero shares owned on his last Form 4, actually has an enormous amount of equity exposure to Netflix shares. So it's important to recognize that what you see on a Form 4 filing and what you see listed as ownership sometimes is not always accurate. And it's not always anywhere close to being a true expression of the type of dollar value exposure that an insider has. Insider selling truth number five, option sale important varies greatly. When evaluating stock option related sales, the strike price and time until expiration of the options are crucial variables. Insiders who sell long dated options for small gains over the strike price, for example, they forfeit a lot of potential upside. On the other hand, insiders who sell options during expiration have a limited trading window left to monetize those shares. With this in mind, we can't treat every option-related sale equally. We have to look at the specifics of the options involved and also the timing of the sale. An option-related sale that stood out to us recently happened at Build-A-Bear Workshop. CEO Sharon John sold some stock options just after Christmas. This sale involved options that were expiring in March 2025. So she had some time before those options expired, a little more than 15 months, in order to liquidate them if she chose to do so. She first sold some of these options at $24, generating a small gain. Her next option sale was transacted at just $20.80. The result was just a 10% gain on options that still had a decent amount of life left on them. Enough time for her to sell them via a 10B51 plan if she chose to, or even outside of a Rule 10b-5-1 plan sometime over the next year. 
Instead, John flashed a negative valuation signal. Her decision to sell those options for such a small gain not to speak well to where she thought the stock could be in the coming year. The type of stock options insiders have are a special kind of equity. No other market participant gets these types of options. These options are struck at the market price, but they generally don't start vesting for a year, and they typically have a lifespan of 10 years. This affords insiders an opportunity to sit on the options while the, hopefully the stock increases in value. And even if the stock doesn't increase in value that much, they're still going to get something out of it. So when they decide to sell the options is really important to recognize and how they sell those options. Are they doing it in a strength? Are they doing it into weakness? Are they doing it for an enormous gain or just a small game is equally important. Insider song truth number six, compare at your own risk. Comparing insiders or companies to one another is usually a waste of time. Companies have different compensation structures, insider trading cultures, and ownership expectations. Comparing company A to company B, even within the same sector, is usually an apples to oranges situation that's not going to bear useful fruit. If we look at General Electric, for example, for years and years and years, the insider culture there was to buy stock. The insiders at the company never sold. Instead, led by CEO Jeffrey Emelt for over a decade, insiders at the companies bought shares. It was almost a religious thing. Well, none of that worked out. GE famously has not delivered shareholder value. The stock was an underperformer for years and years and years. And ML, after being declared a genius quite often, ended up walking away a little bit with his tail between his legs and looking at a huge loss on his GE investment. An interesting exercise is comparing peers. Take Intel and take AMD. At Intel, there's been an insider buy bias for several years now. This occurred around the time that the company was undergoing several changes, including C-level uh, changes. For example, they got a new CEO in early 2021 and a new CFO in early 2022. That CEO, Pat Gelsinger, has bought virtually every quarter since he joined. At AMD, you have a different situation. You have a company where you've had the same CEO now for nearly a decade. The stock has wildly outperformed Intel. Insiders there have been accruing equity through stock-based compensation warrants, and their wealth has been increasing as a result. So insider selling there is normal. So if you look at AMD and you look at Intel, you're going to see two very different companies when it comes to the composition of the insiders, where at AMD you have longer life insiders, and at Intel you have people with shorter tenures. And then you're going to look at the fact that there's a difference in how the stock has performed. AMD insiders have benefited from management's actions. They've helped push the stock forward, grow the company's business. Objectively, Intel management, on the other hand, hasn't done such a good job. And as a result, you see less of an insider selling culture. There's still a lot to prove at Intel. And that's fairly evident by the fact that the insiders there are accruing equity and not generating liquidity, while AMD insiders are doing both. They're accruing equity. That equity is increasing, and it has increased dramatically over the past several years in value. But they're also generating liquidity. One of my favorite responsibilities as director of research at Verity is interacting with our clients. Every week I get to field questions from portfolio managers, analysts, and traders about insider trading, stock buybacks, management changes. The insider trading ones are my favorite because that's really where my heart lies. 
I recently received a question from a client, and with their permission, I'm going to talk about it. The question was seemingly simple on the surface. If an insider targets a specific price, is that always bad? And it's a great question because by asking it in that way, the client implicitly understood that the answer was going to be no. It's not always bad. As I talked about earlier, not all insider selling matters. We're trying to hone in on insider selling that is valuation-oriented, but that is valuation-oriented in a negative way. Some selling can be valuation-oriented in a positive way. Take, for example, insiders who use minimum sale price thresholds. So some insiders are going to sell, as we've discussed. They're going to sell on a regular basis. They're going to sell to generate liquidity. And they might do so in a very basic manner by employing time-based sales under a 10B51 plan. Or they might just sell the second day after earnings every quarter. When they're utilizing Rule 10B51 plans and embedding price-sensitive mechanisms, we're looking for a couple of things there. First and foremost, we're looking for trigger prices. Best way to think about this is aspirational prices. Has the stock hit this level before? And if it doesn't and the insider sells, well, it's obvious that they were targeting that price. But we also look for minimum sale price thresholds. This is a line in the sand. This is a price the insider is unwilling to sell below. And if we think about the fact that the insider is going to sell, we know they're going to sell. That's the expected behavior. They've already displayed that behavior then understanding what their minimum sale price threshold is, is a good thing. And it's not necessarily a negative price element. What they're telling us is, I'm going to sell no matter what, unless the stock is below this price. That's what we want to know. So by being able to recognize the minimum sale price threshold, we understand where the insider feels the stock is actually undervalued. They're not willing to sell below, let's say, $20. So if the stock is at 18 and the selling dries up and we know that the insider or insiders at the company are unwilling to sell it, then we've got a nice delta there between the stock price and where the insider sees the stock at some semblance of fair value or at least a fair enough value that they're willing to generate liquidity at. There's a lot of noise when it comes to insider selling. So understanding the truth about insider selling is important. It's also what can set you on a differentiated idea generation path. If you have questions about insider selling or about any of the data sets at Verity, feel free to drop me a line. My email is bsilverman at verityplatform.com. This episode of Differentiated with Ben Silverman was brought to you by Verity. Verity designs software that helps over 360 asset managers discover one-of-a-kind insights, streamline research workflows, and manage fund research productively. To learn more or begin a free trial, visit verityplatform.com. This episode of Differentiated with Ben Silverman was edited, mixed, and scored by Calvin Marty. 